Welcome to the Complete Sinners Guide. This is the show where we, complete sinners like yourself, come to discuss biblical theology. Your host, as always, Tyler Fowler. Tyler, what's going on? How is it going, my friend? I am so excited about today. Welcome Dude, into the... This is, is going to be an exciting episode. So we have a number of different people joining us. As always, uh, Josh joins us again. Josh, and welcome back. Hi, how you doing, guys? Hey, pretty good. And this week... Good, man. A, a special episode. So we're doing a biblical... I guess you could call it a biblical theology debate. And we brought in my dad. Uh, I guess we'll call you Dr. C. Welcome into the program. Good afternoon. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Hey, we appreciate you taking the time to be here and uh, taking the time to kind of moderate uh, this debate. So, Dr. C., you have been interested in biblical theology for a long time. You've actually done some public outreach trying to help people understand what is going on um, in biblical theology and helping people to kind of understand it. So you're probably one of the best people to kind of oversee this discussion. We've got a lot of topics to cover. Um, I guess let's start with Josh. Uh, Josh, just kind of give me a, a a little bit of an opening on uh, on your thoughts on biblical theology. Okay, so uh, I, I first off, I, I would like to say that I appreciate that Tyler's giving me the 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 space here to to come on and and be someone who freely disagrees without disrespect or any disregard. And I, I want to say that this is completely 100% in-house debate. This is not a primary doctrinal matter, and I'm not accusing him of anything that's, that's uh, you know, uh, blasphemous. And I, I hope that he also assumes the greatest charity of myself, that I'm, I'm being honest, and this is what I honestly believe. And I'm not trying to deceive anyone, and I don't believe that Tyler's trying to deceive anyone, and that we're both just being honest in pursuit of truth. So with that being said, I'd really like to um, uh, just make a, 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 a opening case is what I would say uh, for what I would call uh, free will or separate will from God in order to be able to respond positively to God's appeal to be reconciled, what we call the gospel. I personal, personally believe that mankind is perfectly able to respond to God's own appeal to be reconciled to God. Um, but I do not believe that man is capable of providing himself any semblance of righteousness worthy of salvation, nor could he fulfill the law perfectly in order to be righteous. Um, in Romans 3, we get a quote from Paul. Uh, he's quoting from, I believe, Psalm 14, uh, and he says that none are righteous, no, not one. Um, you and I would both make the exception for our Lord. Christ, he is righteous, and he was a righteous man. He is a righteous man, and he is the mediator between God and man. Um, but I believe personally, and again, I, I'm trying to be uh, uh, careful with my words here, because I know that there's a lot of nuance into this conversation that we're having, um, but I do believe that man is depraved. I do believe that man is sinful and is highly impacted by the fall. Um, it, so much to to the degree that every a aspect and every uh, um, uh, intricate part of man's life and existence is unfortunately tainted by the sin that he commits. Um, however, I do not believe that there's any evidence from the scriptures that I have seen um, that would that would. Uh, uh, explicitly tell me that no one is capable of believing in Christ and his righteousness, having fulfilled that law for us, um, that we are, because we are incapable of fulfilling the law and being righteous in ourselves, that we can therefore not believe in the one who did fulfill the law and obtain that righteousness for us. Um, 
And in, in saying that, I would, I would use a couple of examples. Um, I have, uh, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, shotgunning a bunch of proof texts here. I'm going to try to keep it simple. Um, so I, I would say the first example that I could probably bring to the table easily is from the beginning of Genesis in, uh, in chapter four with the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain is instructed by God, um, that he himself uh, I'm paraphrasing here because I, because of time. Uh, I'm not going to exegete these passages. I'm trying to give my 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 understanding here. So um, the 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 passage is is about God speaking to Cain, and if if we are totally depraved and incapable of positively responding to God, I would have to wonder how Cain would even hear from the Lord, um, let alone have the opportunity to interact with the information that God's giving him. Um, if God wanted to change his nature to be such that they, he could communicate with God, why is it that he still rejects God after that is, uh, is, um, is, is something that always troubled me about that passage in the way that God explains to Cain how sin is crouching at his door, and he lays that responsibility on Cain with what he does, with what he knows, and says, you should master over it. Um, I believe that God is insinuating to Cain that he should have done otherwise and could have done otherwise. So I would affirm what I would call soft libertarian freedom, where man is not a super, you know, it's, uh, free will is not a superpower. I would preface by saying that free will is not a superpower, and it doesn't mean that we can just do as we see fit. We are not. Uh, uh, you know, unbounded, unlimited beings. We have quite the few, or quite the, quite the many limitations uh, and quite the few powers. So I would say ultimately that we are not free completely, but we have a will that is separate from God's will and is autonomous in that it is separate from God's will. And I believe that we are the originators of our own thoughts and determinations, not necessarily the full control because there is the external influence for those thoughts and those behaviors and our intents and our desires also play into our choices. But ultimately, I believe that in the end game, brass tacks, that the the responsibility for the origination of your thoughts and intense desires and actions lay within you as the individual moral agent. You are the determiner of those choices and you are responsible for the choices and the consequence of those choices, rightly so, because you freely chose them and could have and should have done otherwise. Um, uh, how, sorry, how much time do I have? Uh, about another four minutes. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Cool. Um, it, it, with another example that I'd like to bring forward, and again, I'm trying to keep this simple because we want to make this uh, uh, accessible for any audience, and this might be some a bit of an introduction, like you you had said. So, um, another example that I would like to use is uh, uh, <coughs> sorry. Another example that I would like to use is the flood. Um, God is, is in both of these examples are in Genesis. This one is actually from uh, the account in Genesis 6, where God is explaining uh, through Moses, he's writing down, I believe Moses scribed Genesis, that, that he's, he's explaining that he was grieved by having made mankind 
because the thoughts and intents and desires of man were only continuously evil. And if God had designed mankind through the fall, because we can say it was the nature of man to be sinful, but ultimately we don't believe in mother nature. We believe that this was by decree and punishment for the fall of Adam, that God had so designed man to be fallen after that time. So if, if, we, if we want to say that God had designed man to only have thoughts that were continuously wicked only, I, I would be confused and uh, it seems to make uh, little sense of this passage as God is grieved deeply for this and punishes them radically for their radical depravity. I believe radical depravity is the right word for what they were exhibiting. They were they were doing things that were obviously very abhorrent to God, and though they didn't have the express image of Christ in the earth to give them word or, um, you know, they didn't actually receive the law like Moses did on tablets, they had the law written on their heart, this moral law, and they had so... So uh, calloused themselves to this law that they had uh, they had rejected God and the moral uh, code that He had written on their hearts, and they uh, abdicated their responsibility to act rightly and according to that law written on their heart. They were only continuously evil all the time, and I believe that if mankind, in a continuous state, even after the flood, is only continuously evil all the time. Um, I, I'm not sure how God accomplished what he initially wanted to accomplish by flooding the earth if the same problem ensued thereafter and it was somehow by his design. I see that to be a little incoherent. So that's another um, problem that I would see for that, and it would make a lot more sense with the presupposition of the freedom of the will on man's part to perpetrate those evils than I believe to try to say that God had foreordained or, or completely and certainly made so that they would perpetrate those actions or have those thoughts and desires. Um, I don't think that God being a holy and righteous and good God is, is, is determining or, or forwardly causing anyone to sin. I believe also that Tyler wouldn't say that, and God is causing anyone forwardly to sin or to desire to sin. Um, and first John, uh, says that the the lust of the heart and the lust of the flesh and the and the pride of life those those things are not from the father so i think that we would agree there that if those things are not from the father you would have to agree that the source of those things is something separate from the father being man and their will um, if, if God is allowing or permitting them to do anything, then they must, in fact, be separate from him. Otherwise, what is he allowing? Um, I would say that mankind is capable of choosing among available options. That's ultimately what I believe that our separate will amounts to, is the ability to choose among available options. And I believe that when God sent Christ and Christ died for the sins of the world, he allowed and permitted <clears throat> mankind the ability to respond with faith or rejection by sending the gospel and commissioning it out to be spoken to all of creation into discriminately. All of us are, are supposed to receive this gospel. If those who are uh, commissioned with it are doing their job properly, we will be bringing this gospel to every man indiscriminately. And then that responsibility will be laid in that man's lap as to what he does with what he now knows. And uh, I, I would say that that's um, my, my understanding of how the gospel would play out in terms of our freedom to either accept or reject the gospel. I believe that the ability to accept or reject the gospel is the very thing that makes us blameworthy for having rejected it 
uh, and 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 therefore worthy of the punishment that would ensue on that. That we both agree. In the end, those who believe will be saved. Those who believe are placed in Christ, and those who do not believe are separate from Him and are condemned to hell. So, if that be the case, I believe the foundation for the blameworthiness of man and the foundation—not the foundation, but a a a a bolstering up of the holiness and separateness of God mm-hmm. from the evil of mankind. Uh, free will is something that would end up being a uh, a proponent or a a a, an ex- a, a, a suitable explanation to 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 comfortably explain both of those things: how God is holy and man is guilty. Awesome. Well, I thank you very much for that. That's uh, that gives us a lot to think about and something to go off of. Tyler, your thoughts on that, or uh, I guess, do you want to start with uh, with where what, what perspective you're coming from? Yeah, let me set, reset my timer real quick, and I will be on board with you. Um, so yes, um, uh, there's a lot in that to uh, respond to, and hopefully we can get to that after this opening statement. Um, for those who are just tuning in, uh, Josh Davidson and I are having a conversation, a dialogue, a debate. Um, some would say about uh, libertarian free will, and ultimately, can man on his own uh, choose God for salvation? Another way to put that is without any inter- interference from God, um, can man, or, or intervention from God, can man uh, freely uh, believe on Christ? And my answer to that is no. Um, to start my opening statement, I would like to begin with a passage from Scripture located in the Acts of the Apostles, or Acts of the Holy Spirit. Paul is lecturing in a synagogue at Pisidian Antioch, and in uh, chapter uh, 13, uh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 38, he says this, Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this one forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by this one, everyone who believes, now pay attention to these words, everyone who believes is justified from everything from which the law of Moses could not justify you. Paul is telling um, those about Jesus in the synagogue, and he's saying, by this one forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Paul continues, he says, watch out then, that what is spoken about by the prophets does not happen to you. And he quotes the Old Testament. He says, look, you scoffers, be amazed and perished, for I am doing a work in your days, a work you would never believe, even if someone tells you. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people were urging them to speak about these things on the next Sabbath. Uh, Luke continues, says, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city assembled together to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, and they began to contradict what Paul was saying by reviling him. Both Paul and Barnabas replied courageously, It was necessary to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. That, ladies and gentlemen, is called responsibility. We are punished for our responsibility. Our our our, our responsibility brings um, things to pass that will that that have a ultimate effect on us. Um, basically, what I'm trying to say is that with human responsibility comes human uh, consequences. Uh, but Paul continues. He says, "For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have appointed you to be a light for the Gentiles, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth." Pay attention to these words. Now, it says this: When the Gentiles heard this, they began to rejoice and praise the word of the Lord, and all who had been appointed for eternal life believed. Period. End of subject. 
This is the entire debate summed up on one page of the New Testament, yet we cannot take one passage and say, this is doctrine. No, no, no. We must analyze the whole of Scripture and base our doctrines off all of Scripture, also known as tota scriptura. In 2 Timothy 2.24, the same writer, or I'm sorry, Paul, uh, Luke was with Paul on his journeys, and Paul actually writes to Timothy, we read, in uh, chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, And the Lord's slave must not engage in heated disputes. Thank goodness this is a friendly one. But be kind toward all, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance and the knowledge of, and then knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap where they are held captive to do his will. I love this verse in the sense that there is both. This isn't a debate about either or. It's not just predestination, and it's not just human freedom in the sense of it, the way I would define human or free will is that we are limited in our will. We cannot, the Bible says that uh, the man in the flesh cannot please God. We are limited. Um, we can't choose to fly if we desire to, unless it's you know by outside intervention such as a her- airplane or a helicopter. Um, we cannot, w- there's certain things that we cannot choose because our nature limits it uh, to us, but we also have a sense of human responsibility. There's one end of the spectrum that says we're robots, and everything is predestined, everything is, you know, a- every single thing from the from the color of the jello you like to what shoes you're going to wear, whether they be Nikes or whatever. And that, I don't believe that, I don't hold to that. I, I believe that there's human choice involved it's just simply limited by our circumstances and our inward whatever makes us tick so to say um but but like i said in that verse you see a both and you see this predestinating um this predestination especially back in acts whenever the gentiles heard this they began to rejoice and praise the word of the lord and it says, and all who had been appointed for eternal life believed. And that's the simply the case that I'm trying to make today is that there is a human responsibility aspect to salvation and justification, as well as that God has appointed those before the foundations of the earth. And what I mean by that is before time and earth and space was created, God not only had a head knowledge, but had personally chose those to be saved. A, a straw man of the argument, and it's one Josh didn't, he didn't hit on, um, but but I've heard it a lot, is that, you know, g- this double predestination, and I don't hold necessarily to double predestination in the sense that God chose some for heaven and then chose others to hell. We didn't start out neutral. Um, Jesus said, I come not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Why? Because the world is condemned already. We all fell in Adam, and I know, I believe that Josh would hold to that as well, that all of us have a sin nature um, that's basically to be, you know, accused to Adam. Um, If not for Adam, nobody would have sinned. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But anyway, long story short is that because of Adam— we sin. We have a sinful nature, and we choose to sin, and we choose um, to do what our will uh, does. But I'm um, also, I want to say uh, in John chapter 6, Jesus, the Son of God, says, 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. He later repeats himself in verse 65. He says, because, this, because of this I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has allowed him to come. In essence, th- this is very, very interesting because Jesus says that there's a there is a action almost in a reaction it says because of this i told you that no one can come to me unless unless the father has allowed him to come we might hear later that god has allowed everyone to come to him my question is did god fail it, it, it is in a sense of if god is not the one causing and and choosing individuals not not groups of people but in but individuals um to to be saved my question would be then who is ultimately responsible for salvation is it god or is it man and i think if you put man in that category it leads to some very very um very heretical views um it, 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 depending on how far that would go. I want to look at one more passage in the time that we have fleeting. This has been literally the quickest 10 minutes of my life. Um, I, I want us to look at Deuteronomy 29.4, and it says this. It says, But to this very day the Lord has not given you an understanding mind, perceptive eyes, or discerning ears. I think this passage sums up the debate, honestly, because we see, um, and, and also again in Acts 15, 16 through 18, uh, Luke writes, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the fallen tent of David. It's an Old Testament passage. He says, I will rebuild its ruins and restore, so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord. Namely, and he, and he tells who the rest of this humanity is. He says, Namely, all the Gentiles I have called to be my own. Says the Lord, and this is important, who makes these things known from long ago, from ages past, um, some translations say. It means from eternity. Um, so in summary of everything, you know, just, we're, we're going to dig into this, um, pretty deep. Um, there's some old Testament or not old Testament, um, early church father quotes that I want to get into, um, about predestination and election. But in summary, the point is this, is that if you want to, if you want to do away with the the election um, paradox. Let's say this. If you're listening now and you, am I elect? Am I not? Did God predestine me? Did he not? Here's what I would say. I would say, trust in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that unites us, all of us, Mm -hmm. is that our trust and our faith in Christ. The jailer, in the last 10 seconds, the jailer said to Paul, he said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul didn't say anything about election. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt be saved. Thank you very much. Okay, so I thanks, Tyler, for, for kind of giving that introduction. So I guess kind of where we want to go from here is this. I want to bring Dr. C. And Dr. C., thanks for being patient while we kind of got through that, that first part. So they've kind of set up their views. Yes. Now, you're a person that you've been studying this for years. Right. So I guess let's start with this. What jumps out at you right off of the bat? Is there anything that jumps out at you as like, there is something so can we uh, let's before we do that let's agree with this dr c tyler um do you guys and and josh i'll get, i'll ask all of you do you guys all agree that the our end all be all reference has to be the bible absolutely yes. absolutely okay so if we're all in agreement on that 
then my next question is, Dr. C, what do you see anything biblically that stands out to you that you'd like to bring? Yeah, I'd like to point out a couple of texts. The most popular text everybody knows about, John 3.16. What does it say? Can somebody uh, recite that for me? Yeah, I can, um, and I'll do it the way the Greek um, actually has it. It says, um, for God sent his only begotten son, for everyone believing in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So uh, can we say then somebody is that everyone has the opportunity to be saved. Would you say that's what the text says? No. No? It says no, that's no. God. Th and this is Tyler speaking. <laughs> Sorry. This is God's, um, what is God's uh, expressed intention I, I, there in 316? I would say that it's exactly how it's quoted. Um, unfortunately, we have a, um, in, in the society we live in today, we have a tendency to use words as they didn't mean in the um, original language. The King James says, whosoever believes in him. I don't disagree with that, but the Greek says, everyone believing in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, and I agree with that. Everyone who believes in Christ will be saved. Okay, so uh, I am not disputing that. I'm just saying, so would you say it, it implies... In that everybody will have an opportunity to be saved. No, I think it says that everyone who believes will be saved. So you're saying there will be some people who will be pro prohibited from being saved, even if they not wanted to be? Not Well, the Bible does say that God has blinded their eyes so they would not, or, and, and okay. they, I'm paraphrasing here, plug their ears so they, they would not understand. So, so if your question is, does God prohibit people from being saved, I think that text answers that. Okay, so that means God, it's not God's will that everybody be saved. Depending on what you mean by will, there's different aspects of God's will that I personally believe in. So you're saying there are some people who will never be saved regardless of what happened, what, uh, what the eventuality is. Can I rephrase your question by saying, uh, by asking it this way? If someone desired to be saved, could they not be saved? Is that a fair uh, uh, translation, I guess, of the question? Yes. Okay, so the, what I believe is that what, what Paul teaches in Romans 3 is that there is none who do good, no one seeks for God, none. Um, so I believe if someone is desiring God, the true God of the Bible, we, we, have, to, we have to define uh, things. Everybody is seeking a God that that God is not necessarily the God of the Bible. So what I'm trying to say is that if somebody desires the God of the Bible, that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in that person. I don't know whether they're saved or not, but it's evidence that if someone's truly seeking God, the God of the Bible, the Christian God, that there is evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit within them. Okay, let me ask a couple of more questions. Did God, uh, what is your belief? Do you believe God created man with a, freedom of choice are you asking me or josh let's, let, yeah let's start with you and then i'd also like to get josh's answer too okay uh what was the question again i'm sorry did god endow man when he created adam and eve did he give them a, a, a freedom of choice yes absolutely does he take it away at any time Absolutely not. We lost that. We lost that in the fall. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I, please explain. What do you mean? No, no, no. I, uh, I'm i okay. trying to understand you. I'm not trying to argue with you. Sure, you sure. said that he gave us freedom of choice. 
Then the next question yes. I asked was, does he take it away at any time, the freedom of choice that he gave us? Right, again, we lost that in the fall. Um, no, I, that's not Eve, what I asked. I'm not trying to argue with you. Did no. he, did God take away, does God take away our freedom of choice at any time? Let me rephrase my answer then. I don't know how we lost it. I don't know if that means how God, if God specifically took that away. I know though at the, at the time that Adam disobeyed God, we inherited, or we, Adam inherited a sin nature um, by, by sinning. And therefore, um, Adam had the freedom to choose to please God or not, and he chose not to. The result of that is all of us are now born in sin, unable to please God according to Romans chapter 8. Okay, but did we lose the freedom of choice? We okay, so we we choose freely now. Uh, we just choose things that are displeasing to God. Okay, that I agree with. I'm just trying so, to make sure. I, I guess I'm a little confused. So, but we have lost the freedom to choose to follow God. We don't choose to follow God. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, we've lost the. But I'm saying you believe that we've lost the ability to choose to follow God on our. That that's that's. Us. I mean, I know it's crass, but that's what you're saying, right? I believe again that whenever Adam and Eve ate the apple and we mm-hmm. inherit or and, and the world fell, right? Mm-hmm. When the world fell, we as creatures also fell with the world and therefore by our own nature now do not desire the God of the Bible. We hate him. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. It would it is there anything biblically inaccurate or incompatible with scriptures that you cited that would say that would what if I just twisted it a little bit? What if I said that our nature is to to seek sin, right? We are born with a sin is fun. Sin is fun. Sure. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it all the time, right? So sin right. is fun. So we have a natural desire, and the devil is very good at tempting us to bring us over to sin. Does it not stand to biblical reason, then, that God and the Holy Spirit become a light that we we have an opportunity? We can look and say, do we follow this, or or, or do we go for the very enticing sin? Now, obviously, uh, because of the very nature of sin, sin is more enticing than God intrinsically to our human eyes. But are you saying are you saying that you disagree that we can even see the glory of God and are and can ask him to to ask the Holy Spirit to come into our heart and 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 help us guide us so that we have a desire for God or do you think that the de- that desire can't exist in any way shape or form not even to a tangential that's an option over there if the Holy Spirit hasn't already decided to invite you in is that does that make sense this is what this is what I would say I would quote John 1. And I would say in in verse 9, the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. Mm. But to all who have received him, those by faith, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children, children not born by human parents or by human desire or a husband's decision, but by God. Hmm. Josh, your thoughts? Um, I, I, I at this point, there's been like six or seven questions. Yeah, okay. Asked, well, so let I, me ask you this: Do we have free? Do you believe that? Uh, basic question: Do you believe that we can choose our, by ourselves? Do you think that we can choose to follow God? Rather, or, uh, putting aside for just a moment the idea that we need God to effectively complete that journey to following him and 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 following his word understanding that and putting that aside because i don't think that's the part we disagree on 
the, the very first step, the choice to say, I am going to accept God and I'll figure all the rest of the stuff out. Is that our choice or is that something that has to be invited by the Holy Spirit? Um, I would say that it, it is only a choice if it has been presented by the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is I, I, I believe quite literally what Paul said when he said that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for mm. all who would believe. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the gospel, being part of the Godhead who decided that the Christ would be the atoning propitiation for the sin of mankind. Um, that being said, the gospel is inspired by the Spirit. The apostles who wrote this gospel down for us to receive it were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the evangelist who brought the gospel to the, the convert is also inspired by the Holy Spirit, as well as the message that he preaches. So I don't think that anybody could actually come to the gospel void of the Holy Spirit. I think that it's just kind of, it is par for the course to expect that the Spirit is on site as the gospel is being preached. It, there's I don't think that there's a time in which the gospel is 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 rightly presented in the absence of the Spirit. So I, I don't believe that anybody can make a choice absent of the Spirit in that way. But ultimately, the choice and responsibility to repent and believe lands on man and not on God. God is not the one repenting or believing mm. or, or repenting or believing for you. Man must in themselves decide for themselves to either respond to the revelation given properly with gratitude to say, thank you, God, for atoning for the sins. I believe in your son or by rejecting him and saying, I think I'm sufficient, because ultimately, I think those are the only two answers is either I am not sufficient. Thank you for your son or I am sufficient. I don't want him. Those are the only I have two a question. answers I can conceivably see ultimately out of the gospel presentation. I have a question then. Josh, you just said that ultimately repentance is up to man, correct? I said the response, yeah, the responsibility. Hold on a second. Dr. Shaw, you had something to add there. Yeah. First of all, a couple of points. Number one, uh, I have to ask in a form of question. Is any one of us implying that the Holy Spirit does not extend the invitation to everyone in this world? It's a simple question. Does Invitation, the Holy Spirit refuse, uh, uh, does not uh, appeal to everyone, or does he only appeal to some people? Invitation well, into the, the kingdom, to clarify. Invitation, the, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the this is my answer to that then. The gospel is not an invitation. The gospel is a command by God that all should follow. Well, we can take that. So, okay. So, it, but, but, so regardless of how it's presented, if my, if, 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 if a parent tells his kid to go to bed, it doesn't matter if it's, if you call it an invitation to go to bed or a command to go to bed. The, uh, the idea is that the child has a choice to follow the, the, the words go to bed or not follow the words, however you want to categorize but see, it. That's the that's the problem, Noah. We are children of wrath before conversion. We are not adopted children of God before faith. But in we Christ. were. But hold and on. And the 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 question is, it's a category error, my friend. And I and I say that with respect, mm -hmm. with much with, with much due respect, dude. I love you. Sure. But at the same time, it's a category error to lump everybody in the same boat because there are two kinds of people in the world: they're children of wrath and children of God. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I agree with that. But we were all children of God before we fell from sin, and those two categories came. Yes. The Bible says that we are children of wrath. No. Uh, well, here's the thing. There's that's a bit of a confusing issue because you see, we started with children of God. However, when we, when Adam committed sin, by the way, just a small little uh, 
small correction. I hope you're not offended. Uh, please, please. Uh, Adam did not eat apple. The, it's just, it's just fruit. It's yeah. a fruit, not an apple. But Sorry. anyway, that's uh, beside the yeah. point. The point my, I'm my making, bad. that's okay. I'm talking about the fact that we were, we had, Adam, before he committed sin, he did not have a natural tendency for sin, okay? When he committed sin, now we have a natural tendency for sin. Mm. That is not the same as being, you know, have no choice in the matter. We are talking about what is a propensity. Now we have a propensity for sin, but we can still choose to respond to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we can respond. And that is what I'm talking right. about. We, the Holy Spirit, stick. otherwise what we are saying is if I'm lost, it is God's responsibility because he didn't, you know, allow me to accept Christ. I and think we're that, doing is a, that. that is a blasphemy. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. To respond, how did you rephrase that last part? You said that God made, so someone who desires Christ, God is making them lose salvation somehow? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't. You, no, you, it, it, it almost like right you implied now, that someone. It almost like you implied that someone was seeking after God and God was denying them. Jesus held his arms open. And he said, "Come to me." But that's he, those but who are on. weary, you, those who are weak, come to me. I, I guess my confusion, and Doctor C, correct me if I'm wrong, but my confusion is: Are you not saying the exact opposite things? Exactly. Like, like if you have it, no. Okay, I, then I don't no, then I don't understand the disconnect between how can God have His arms open and welcoming everybody, but yet there are certain people that aren't going. That's the part I'm confused the, on. Here's the disconnect, Noah. It's our view of man. I have a view of man, and I mean this in all, all generally that we are dead in sin. Okay. That we that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. They don't desire to do that. Mm -hmm. They are fallen, and they seek pleasure for themselves. Like sure. you said, if sin wasn't pleasurable, it, there would be no point in doing it. Right. Sin is very pleasurable, and they seek that over the pleasures and promises of God. Why? Right. Because 1 Corinthians says those things are foolishness to the unbeliever. They don't believe them. They don't want anything to do with God. And Romans 1 says they hate God. So the okay. point that I'm making is that if someone wants to run to Jesus, mm -hmm. he is welcoming of that person. The problem is, is why do people, why, why the question is, why did I once right. love sin and now hate God? My answer to that is because the Holy Spirit dwelt within me and regenerated me and made me a son of God, an adopted but son the, of God. Here's the, the the problem I have with that. The thing that I think doesn't doesn't stand biblical congruency, and I would be interested. I think this is the part that we disagree on: is if the Holy Spirit is taking is making that initiating factor. So the very first thing that ever happens in this entire process is the Holy Spirit first dwells. Then people say, I desire God. Then the Holy Spirit enables people to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. If that whole process starts with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is picking winners and losers. The whole okay, so God has elected a people, individuals, mm -hmm. um, according to Ephesians one, based on His pleasure. Now, is God arbitrary in that? Absolutely not. The Ephesians also says that God has predestined works for those who are in Christ to do. And that being said, no, God didn't doesn't just arbitrarily point his finger and say you're saved, you're going to hell. You're saved, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous, and it's not a decision or it's not a, a, a doctrine, so to say, that I hold to, even though some do. 
Um, no, we we are all fallen in Adam, and you're right. I did make the mistake of saying Apple. I did not mean to do that. It's just kind of my my young kid. What I was taught in Sunday school coming back. Forgive me for that. Mm-hmm. It was not an Apple. Um, but at the same time, like I'm saying, that once the Holy Spirit gives life to someone, we all agree that God is the one who gives life. It's why. And it's because of God, period, in a subject. If, if what you guys are saying is true, and I mean this with respect, mm-hmm. you're saying that ultimately people are in heaven because of a choice they made rather than God saving them and God gets the glory out of it. You can point your finger at whoever's in heaven and say, you're up here because you chose to, and you're down here and in hell no, 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 sir, because actually, you chose no, no. to reject. What we are claiming is that we are responding we are not choosing we are not re- we are responding when holy spirit speaks to us some of us respond in a positive some of us respond in a Absolutely. negative and okay so, so we so are hold not, on so this is me, a, hold, on, hold on hold on this is a pinnacle point so you also agree that the the very first thing that happens is it starts with the Holy Spirit. Right. Appeals to us. Okay. And so, then we have a choice of responding yes or no. So the point of disagreement isn't where it's initiated by human or by Holy Spirit. The the, the point of disagreement then is uh, you believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to everybody at least once. Yes. And Tyler, you believe that there are only certain people that are spoken to by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I would use the word spoken or not, since this is a formal debate, okay. or I want it to be anyway. Um, I would say enlighten. Um, the Holy Spirit chooses to enlighten some. God is not limited um, by who he chooses. If he makes an offer to somebody, he doesn't have to make the offer to everybody. Um, so that's what, I, yeah, I would say enlightened. Okay. Mm-hmm. Josh, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I I actually am am, am rather uh, intrigued about how this is this is all kind of played out as a conversation. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, uh, this is this is actually really uh, very very cool because all the all the right questions are coming out in in a very organic way, and I like. I, I still like have a question. So, <laughs> um, I, I think I think first I, I would I would like to say that Tyler, you're being a really good sport. Um, but uh, I, I would say I would say that that I, I agree that mankind is capable of making a decision about their response to the proclamation of the gospel command. I even agree with Tyler that it's a command and not just a, a passive offer. It is a command to repent and believe. Mm-hmm. But the responsibility to repent and believe lies with man because man is able to repent and believe. And I believe that if man is not able to repent and believe or willingly capable of of consenting to repent and believe of their own volition, that ultimately those who are in hell are not there because they actually were bad, but because of their design, they did exactly what they were designed to do and desired to do. Um, Forgive me for interfering. I don't believe that. Yeah. Josh, forgive me, forgive me for interfering, but I've got to bring this up because I've heard it twice now and I, and I've got to say something about it. Whenever we speak of repentance, we just did a show on repentance last week. My question is, is man able, without intervention from God, to repent upon his own, or on his own? No, none of us says that. We are saying we are are responding. I'm just clarifying. No, we are responding. We only respond. But there are two things I want to make sure that we understand. We have the ability to respond, based on scriptures that I have come across, we have the ability to respond either in the positive or a negative manner, but once we have done that, the rest of the uh, salvation is done by God himself. We do we have the ability to repent? Do we have the ability to repent? No, let me go back. 
You are putting words in my mouth. I'm trying to figure. No, this I'm just I'm just asking for clarification. No, I'm not, if I'm coming all off like that, I'm sorry. Let I don't me finish this. Let me finish the thought. Then you can ask the question. Sure. The invitation comes from the Holy Spirit. We have the choice of saying yes or no. Once we have said yes, then God does the rest of the work. He does the salvation. We have nothing. We don't have any credit for salvation, and we the don't only, have the ability for salvation. No, the only if you want to call it quote unquote, the credit is whether we say yes or no. That is the only part we can do. And there we are, you and I are agreed. We, all, all of us are agreed on that. It's the God who actually saves us. He does He's doing all the, the heavy work. lifting. He does all the lifting. Not but we have to make the decision. The only part we have is to say yes or no. That part is ours. And let me add another point before we forget, because I don't know how much time we have left. But the fact of the matter is, we also remember that when we say yes, there are a lot of people who think that once you've said yes, we can never change our answer to no. And I believe that if we take that attitude that we can never say no, then that means we are implying God takes away our choice. We, we no, more longer, no longer have any choice in the matter. That I don't so think is me, scriptural. Go ahead. Can I ask? For, sure, please. Okay, for, clarific for clarification, you just said that we can say no. So are you saying that uh, whenever, whenever someone believes, right, the Holy Spirit indwells that person, and later on in life, say we say no, um, do you lose your salvation at that point? Or if you've said no in the beginning, because I think you just said, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you just said once God, once the Holy Spirit offers that salvation once, and you say no, it's done, it's over with at that point. Am I wrong in saying that? Because no, I've said no many of times. No, I did not uh, say that. Okay. What I said was okay. that w w we never lose our freedom of choice. We can say yes, and we can say no, even after we have said yes. In other words, that's what I'm saying, that there are some okay, people who believe once you've said yes, you can never say no again. Right. And if you and if you say no, if it seems like there's an inconsistency, really, you said no to begin with. You just thought you were saying yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Josh, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I, I would say that I, I think I think that it the ultimately what, what we've what we've done is we've kind of gotten off onto a different category of of yeah. of. Of whether freedom is is intrinsic to human nature, um, mm. I, I I think that Tyler and I, where we do agree, is is that we are completely and utterly impacted in every aspect of our lives and our decisions and our thoughts by the sin that it is that we were we we're born with the propensity for it, but the sin that we personally commit and are guilty of has tainted all the other aspects of our lives and mm. caused us to be like he said, children of wrath mm -hmm. by our very nature. We have the propensity. To to sin and perpetrating that sin puts us under that wrath. Um, but but as as it was pointed out earlier, that wrath is something that everyone is under initially because all have sinned and fallen short. And I think the question that has been sort of addressed but not really is where is the distinction between those who remain children of wrath and those who convert and become children of God? And according it's to John chapter 1, it is those who receive him. So I think my question, my answer is, we are capable of receiving him and ought to do so and are responsible to do so. And those who do not do so are blameworthy on the merit of their ability yeah. to have done I otherwise. agree with I that. I 100% agree with that. I have to ask. 
I would have to ask Tyler what what foundation he puts responsibility into, if not the ability to have done otherwise. If we were designed not to be able to do otherwise, what category of responsibility is man really uh, is he's held culpable for decisions that he wasn't capable of making. Do you think that man is capable of making the decision to believe and that he will not certainly do so, but is able and could have done otherwise? Because that's ultimately a very loose compatibilism. And I think that's kind of what you've been describing, right? So what I would say, I think it's a straw man to say that we are created. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here uh, that we were created basically to sin, that God's given us sin, and that we are um, now now all of a sudden that something that God caused, we're now responsible because we sin. That's not what I believe at all. We were created, man was created in the image of God. Because of man and Satan, we fell. When we fell, that fall had consequences. And those consequences, instead of running to God like Adam did before, we hide from God. We hid from God. It, it, it all stems from a, um, what's the word, uh, an anthropology. Where you stand on your view of man. Is man sick? Is man almost on the brinks of death, but yet can catch the raft, so to say? The analogy is used a lot that God throws him the lifeline, and he makes a, a conscious choice to grab the lifeline, um, and, and God pulls him in the rest of the way. He does, as, as you guys uh, know and your father quoted, he does the heavy lifting, so to say. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, and this is my opinion, um, but I think it's a biblically accurate one. The Bible doesn't describe us as sick. The Bible describes us as dead in sin, unable to make the conscious choice to, and that's in Ephesians 2, um, that, that we are dead, that we are unable to please God in Romans 8, that those who are in the flesh can not, and, I, and I've repeated myself now uh, three times, I think, uh, and I don't mind, I, I love it for clarification, um, but cannot, those words have significance. And whenever Paul is making the statement, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, we were all in the flesh until the Holy Spirit but regenerated us and we believed. Our ability to please God and our, and our willingness to accept him as our Savior are two different things, are they not? Uh, do you think, so I would answer that with a question, do mm-hmm. you believe that repentance and faith pleases God? I think that repentance and faith do please God, yes, but sure. I think that, I, I guess, I don't know, I guess that's a good point. So so what you're saying is, you're, if you're incap- if, if, if by our very nature we're incapable of pleasing God, then we're incapable of taking actions to please God, which would include uh, repentance. Well, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll back it up then. Well, no, even that would I, w- I would have to say would be I'm God. saying, no, let, let me interject. Sense. Well, no, here's... Here. Let me interject. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that we are not able to repent on our own, and repentance is the first steps in coming to a saving knowledge of God. And what I mean by that is by placing your faith in Christ. You have to no longer view, and I don't know if it's the way with everybody, but you no longer view Jesus as just a man, or however you viewed him before. You you, view, you now view him as the Messiah, as the one who I am trusting mm-hmm. 100% for my salvation, period, and the subject. And that takes repentance. And the point that I was making earlier about can man repent on their own, no, we cannot because the Bible strictly says in, in uh, um, I'm sorry, um, Paul, um, 
he, he says that if second Timothy two twenty four and 26, he says that God grants repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, but can we make the decision to repent so, yeah, on our own? Again, what we are saying is not that uh, a change you, of mind comes with a change of action. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's the definition of repentance. Uh, repentance is a change of mind. And whenever that happens, ultimately, we will follow that out with a uh, with an action. So, yes, I would say that repentance is the same as um, accepting or however you put that, Noah. I'd yeah, make I a decision, sure. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, we are basically saying the same thing. We are slight, slightly from a different, uh, you know, uh, angle. The mm-hmm. uh, To reemphasize or reiterate, our only action is to accept or reject the invitation of the Holy Spirit. Once we have accepted it, God does all the lifting, and that is, in my opinion, salvation. He does the salvation all by himself. We have to just say, yes, Lord, I I accept your invitation, and he does all the heavy lifting after that. But uh, the, the when you say heavy lifting, uh, can you can all you of the lifting, all of the lifting. Put it, let me. In other words, so what, all we do is make the decision. Yeah. God helps us with everything else. Everything after that, we agree that you it, that a a connection with God is necessary because we're not capable of doing it on our own. That's what he's. That's what he, that's Sorry, what you so, mean when you say okay. exactly so what to, cl- to clarify, then I believe that we make a decision. I believe that. Um, we're responsible for the decisions we make, and the ultimate um, the ultimate end is those who end up in hell. Um, ultimately, they're choosing to reject God, and that's exactly what their heart it, it, that that's what their heart's telling. They're listening to their heart. Jeremiah says the heart is wicked above all things. Um, who can understand it? Well, thank God that God can understand it. And the reason I bring up the heart is because the Bible says in Ezekiel thirty six that God gives us a heart of flesh and removes the heart of stone. And what and, and yeah. where I see that is whenever I, for personal you know testimony. I hated God, and whenever God removed that heart of flesh, then I wanted to please God. And the way you please God, first and foremost, is by repentance and faith in His Son. Dr. Chalai, any final thoughts that, or final questions? Well, um, I want one of you to read Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. Another one, read uh, 1 Timothy 1. Do you, Timothy ha- do you have it pulled up? Because we don't really have time to, okay. to look up verses. If you don't basically, have it up. Basically, it says, no, I don't. if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out. And in Colossians, it says, if you continue in faith, in other words, these two texts talk about the fact that um, if it says if we continue in faith, that means it also means that you can discontinue in faith. In other words... I believe—sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, so what I'm trying to emphasize the fact that uh, once you've said yes— you can also say no afterwards because here these two texts are talking about the fact that if you do not continue in faith, you know you will not uh, be saved. So you, we, not only we have to, we have said yes, but we can we can say we cannot say once you've said yes, that's it. You know you don't change your mind. That means you God has taken away your you know freedom of choice, which Tyler, I don't believe in. It. Tyler, about thirty seconds or less. What are your response to that? Um, I think we'll get into it in the next part. Um, for you guys that are listening on the radio, check this out. We got this really cool thing. We are actually going to continue this discussion. And if you want to listen to the rest of it, these are for only for people on the radio. If you want to listen to the rest of it, make sure you go to www.completecenters.com www.completecenters.com and make sure you catch up on the rest of this discussion. We got 30 minutes left and it's going to be amazing. I promise you that. So what we're trying to do is uh, the obviously the 
doing a radio show does not allow us really the full amount of time uh, that we need to take to, to unpack these things. And so we're releasing a bonus episode. It's only going to be available online. Again, as Tyler said, CompleteSinners.com. Brad, any closing? Or, I'm sorry, not Brad. Josh, any closing uh, thoughts? Josh. Um, I would just like to... Uh... I would just like to say that that I I think for clarity, it would be good to notice that um, all of the terms that we're using here are not terms that are often used. Um, So if anybody is confused as to any of the terms that we're using, um, if you want to contact Tyler or I, we both have Facebooks. You can look us up by name. We're more than willing to have an individual conversation with any of you that are listening right now and give further clarity on either of our positions. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And Josh, Dr. Dr. Chalaya, uh, Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time to be here. We really appreciate it. Again, go to CompleteCenters.com. Check out the rest of the debate. It's available there. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Complete Center's Guide. Have a good week.